Don't cry, Kigali. Right now, all we really know for sure is that we can't let this situation go on. Kira Yamato. But we don't know how or even what has to be done. Fighting Zaft won't do us any good. Neither will fighting the Earth Forces. Because that's the way it's been in the past. That's why the hatred never stops. And why the fighting never ends. And even us. Because we keep on fighting. Maybe we're just as much to blame. I'm sure that every one of us, in the plants and on Earth, wants a world where we can live our lives in peace and happiness. It just seems like, I mean, if you're thinking along the same lines, then maybe. Indeed, Master Kira. We didn't come here thirsting for revenge, nor did we come here just because we wanted to carry on fighting. Every single one of us chose to join the military because we sincerely believed in our nation's ideals. If we have to fight, then we want to do it defending the true ideals of Orb. We know the path ahead is a difficult one, and that is why it would be our great honor to join you in this ship. Welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast that now has to watch Destiny. My name is Jeremy. Wake me up from this nightmare. I'm Tyler. I'm totally paying attention this week, everybody. Like, I- I'm-, I'm paying attention. I got you. We're all- we all know that now. Why are you giving was me that a, weird a look? Was that a question, uh, mysterious you you unnamed have, voice? You haven't edited episode 29. He was not paying any attention that entire episode. <laughs> I had fair. to edit so hard to make it sound like he might have been. What's your name? I was wondering if you noticed that. My name is Zach. I already called it out. And I was ready to. <laughs> I know. Um, I just wanted to wait until Jeremy said that. Which episode are we going to introduce ourselves as Owl, Sting, and Stella? <laughs> Dibs on Stella. <laughs> really, of all of us... I mean, you're Stella, clearly, but she's the best one, so... Actually, I'll take Sting. I'm one of our listeners actually posted that we should do a, uh... uh we should do a live, a live stream, stream Oh, man, should we dress up as the druggies while we do it, because I... We, we have to be original class druggies if we do that, right? Okay, I could... Uh, and then I think I want Shawnee so I can have the headphones in. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say, I kind of want to be Owl, though, because I feel like I could rock one of those you super V-necks. Super, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We watched episode 30 of Fleeting Dream. It's a mobile suit o'clock, so I think we're just going to get into it. Yeah. That's fair, yeah. It's late. We're punch drunk. Let's do this thing. Last week, we had a clip episode to halt the momentum of the episode before it, where everything happened. This episode, let's pump those brakes. We don't want this horse going too fast. Gotta slow Why does your horse have brakes? There might be a cliff over there. Because it's in the GTA engine? No, it's um the horse from G Gundam. Clearly mechanical. <laughs> I and, forgot and, about that thing. In Gundam versus, that is one of God Gundam's attacks. 
is ride the horse. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was Master Asia's horse. Yeah, but after Master Asia dies, he gives him the uh, horse. Yes. Which has actually got a horse in the Gundam. <laughs> I know. It's so <laughs> dumb. G Gundam is fantastic. Guys, Tyler. G Gundam is a treasure. <laughs> it's not a good show, but I like I might like Gundam Build Fighters more, but I can't spoil that. I, we might watch it. I need to go watch Build Fighters. Yeah, it's been on my list for a while. I'm caught up on all the other random nonsense I'm watching though, so. All right. Phase 30. A fleeting dream. Crunchyroll. Hulu, you know the drill. Watch it on the internet. Two episodes ago, Kira saviored Atherin because Atherin was kind of being a jerk and indecisive. And uh, Kigali was crying. Yes. But mostly Kira had more determination about life than Atherin, which is weird. Remember how cool this sequence was? Yes. saviored <laughs> Atherin. All right, now that that's done with, we're not going to get something that cool again for a while. And Todaka went down with the ship. And Shin became the world champion of Battleship. <laughs> I come up with a joke for the end of this that I think I'm just going to spoil now. When we get Kira Jesus Yamato, Atherin I never betrayed anyone Zala, and Shin I sunk your battleship Asuka. <laughs> Look at him sinking that battleship and destroying his only father figure since his actual father died. I feel like Durundle is kind of a father figure for him. I feel like Durundle's like an estranged uncle figure <laughs> for him. <laughs> I feel like Arthur's more of a father figure no, for Shin. I, I feel like Atherin's an older brother figure. I feel like uh, Ray is more of a father figure. Okay, fair. <laughs> no, Ray's like the older brother. Atherin's like the father figure because Shin never listens to anything Atherin says. A- and Mir is his absent mother figure? Yeah, sure. Let's go with that. <laughs> because she's attached to Atherin or like... Yes. I'm also just wondering how Mir fits into this. Oh, this... Uh, I haven't watched the opening in a while and I forgot about that stupid pin-up Kigali scene. I'm, I'm weird in that I'm like the only person I know who watches the opening all the time. I like, do too. There are, well, I mean, in just for animes in general, there are very few shows in which I legitimately dislike the opening enough that I skip it. It's very rarely because I dislike the opening and more because, like, or watch it like every third time or something. It's mostly I'm like, well, I don't got two minutes to waste on this. Well, usually I'm binging stuff while I'm like doing something else. So a lot of times I'm going to it skip requires the, active effort. To I'm go. going to skip the credits in the next time. But usually there's something else that's like right before the opening. A lot of them have the cold open and then the opening. So I usually just like set the remote down and let the cold open play. And then when it goes into the opening, I'll just let it go. I mean, it helps that it also has a kick-ass theme song. And this is, uh, to be honest, not the best opening theme that Destiny has, I think. So once the opening ends, we get the Minerva doing damage report. Atherin Spider-Man no more is his pilot suit very somberly into his locker. <laughs> because it's not like they couldn't get him a new mobile suit like the um, uh, Gaia that's on board. I think it's been removed. They never said if it was or not. They haven't, but they will later say in this episode they don't have any other mobile suits. I assumed and the Gaia was inoperable. I assumed they forgot. Because Destiny loves to forget that thing exists. I know where the Gaia ends up and don't know how. So I've been paying as much attention as possible to, is the Gaia here? Where on Earth is the Gaia Gundam? Which one? Because <laughs> I know there's another one like it that That's crops the up. same one. It is? Yes. Ha- yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how? But, but how? Zach, <laughs> our greatest Gundam scientists are trying to learn the answers to this question. Isn't that I'm- just you? Are yes. you our greatest Gundam scientist? <laughs> it's me and Mechanical Horse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so confused. But that's pretty normal for me. Yeah, According to Word of God, they are the same. Okay. You don't even have to paint it because face shift armor. But how? <laughs> don't worry, Tyler. I'm sorry, is it a different color? Tyler, we'll get there. Anyway, they have to wait for supplies and repair in the middle of this rock, I guess. And considering how close they are to Gibraltar, but aren't they... 
Isn't Gibraltar there? That, that's where they're going. They're talking about how it's it sucks that we have to wait here when we're so close to where we're going. Okay. Yeah, I because they're kind of like stuck in the middle of the Mediterranean right now, right? Yeah. And Gladys is like, it's not like we lost that bot fight, but boy, are we exhausted after it. I'm going to go take a nap. Arthur, please just do your job. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. We get a whole bunch of beat up estrays in the Archangel mech bay. It's a pretty cool shot. I was going to ask, like, how did they get here? But presumably they all went and landed on the Archangel after the Takamikazuchi went down. I give Destiny too much shit for its slow pace to actually be upset about this. But I am kind of wondering how the exfiltration from that last battle went. Yeah, like because all these guys were on life rafts, right? How did Uh, a lot of the a lot of these guys were the Astrays is perfectly fine because they could just go land on the Archangel. But the dudes in life rafts and dinghies, like, how did they get picked them up? And it seems like they would, too. But the Archangel is cruising out of the airspace. No, we never see it leave, and that's my point. We don't see how that battle... So did everybody just go, okay, now that that's over with, everybody pick up your dudes. <laughs> like I, like truce, I said... Truce, truce. Like I said, I don't want to give Destiny too much shit over it, because it's perfectly acceptable to gloss over that sort of stuff, but that is the question I'm asking, Zach. Although, to be fair, I very much believe the Archangel would go looking for stragglers and survivors after the battle. The Minerva's going to get the hell out of there because it's beat the hell. We also know that the, I think, only one Earth Force's ship, I think the John Paul Jones is the only thing left. And it was already in the rear and was probably going to get out of there. Because as we'll find out, it's also down to one mobile suit. It was probably not very difficult for the Archangel to pick these guys up. That makes sense. So uh, where's Yuna? I assume he's on the John Paul Jones because they make him escape first, but that is a good question. Well, he was on, he would have been on board of the life raft with one of the other guys, like the second in command. My only thought is he could have escaped via aircraft because it seems like the sort of thing that they would have for, you know, the the sovereign of the country. I guess that makes some sense. I realize like halfway through watching this episode that Yuna wasn't in the scene. I'm like, wait, where is he? The only reason why it even occurred to me to ask that question is because I read your notes. Oh, and because both Zach and I said Estrays, I'm pretty sure they're all Murasames. I'm pretty sure they're Murasames. I think you're right. I I just misspoke. Estrays have a different body shape. The head design is different as well. Uh, So also, hey, the Archangel is finally fully staffed. I was going to, (laughs) I I actually, even before I read your note, was going to say, this is the best staff the Archangel has been in its entire career existence. The right word for a ship? The question that you have to ask is, uh, how many of these guys are ratings? Like, how many of these guys can actually do things on board the ship that they actually, like, might need. I mean, they taught a bunch of high school kids to do it. I feel like they these guys have military experience at the very least. More what I mean is, like, mechanics. I they have don't to... necessarily have all the mechanical crewmen on board to fix all those Murasames. I see where you're coming from, and I also had that thought. I think you have to assume that some mechanics are also part of the we want to go help Kigali. Well, clearly that guy with the glasses right there is a mechanic. The nostalgia critic? So, Lieutenant Longnose is telling them about Todaka's last words, and how he's like, you should all get to the Archangel for the sake of everyone who lost their life today. They have, like, a giant school assembly on the bridge of the Archangel. I like the jokes about it being better, best staff, but I feel like more people are on the bridge right now than have been on the Archangel. <laughs> That's not true, because of the refugees, at least. And, to be fair, we do see lots of, like, random crewmen on the Archangel. The bridge tends to change size, depending on how big it needs to be. It's a dramatic theater. Anyway, he's like, I can't apologize enough for ignoring your orders. And um, for getting our guys killed. And our ship sunk. Everybody bows to Gagali, which is a pretty powerful image. And she's very moved by it. And he's like, but please, like, let us help. Well, like, and understand Captain- what we were position we were in. Yeah. And, you know, Kigali was in a very similar position, so she's in no place to throw stones, even if I do think they could have, personally, they could have done something. And his name is Lieutenant Anagi. 
Uh, I think it's a Magi. You're right. Um, I think it, you are yeah. correct. And but Kigali, he's Lieutenant Longos. Yeah, Lieutenant Longos. And Kigali rushes to him and like pulls him up out of his bow, and she's like, I'm the one who should be sorry for being a teenager forced to try to lead an entire country, I guess. Is it just me, or does Lieutenant Longnose look like he's drawn differently here? He his nose looks the same. It's hard to put my finger on, because he's in the same outfit. His face looks very off-model. That's, I think, what it is, is his face looks different. Except I think he looks like this the rest of the series. Like, they changed the model sheet. Yep. Maybe. He has, his nose looks different, and it looks like his hairline looks different. His face is also sense. a little bit more rounded. It was a lot blockier earlier. So Craigali starts calling. And she starts saying, <laughs> it's our, all her fault. Anyway, it, literally every person on the Everyone else room, starts calling, too. She has the superpower to make everybody cry. Except for Kira, because he promised Flay that one time he wouldn't anymore. Even though Lacus said it was okay. She's not here right now. So Kira's like, hey, don't call Craigali. And everyone looks at her and they're like, oh, Kira Yamato-senpai. And Kara starts trying to give a Chris Evans Captain America speech, but he hasn't been cast yet, so. And I do like that uh, Lieutenant Walker was like, oh, Kira Yamato, I heard stories about that guy. He's got to be dumping wisdom on us now. <laughs> so, wait, really quick. What do you think Amagi's first name is? Lieutenant? <laughs> as far as I can tell, yes. His only name on the wiki is just Amagi. Anyway, Kira's like, hey, we can't attack Zap. That won't do us any good, but we can't. Just fight the Earth forces either. That's what my girlfriend says all the time anyway. And it didn't work the last time. We tried fighting them both at once, and we just got right here. Anyway, cycle of violence. Like, maybe we're not doing the right thing because we're fighting instead of, like, I don't know, peacefully protesting. But I do have the giant robot. Nah, it's because Kira's not putting down the opponents permanently. They're just getting better every time they sortie. Anyway, Kira's like, so um, if you're here for revenge, uh, I don't know what to say. And Obaki's like, no, you're right, Kira. We didn't come here for revenge. We also want a better, more youthful world led by idealistic teenagers. I like that one guy who was like knockoff Waltfeld who nodded at it. <laughs> I also love that Kira just kind of like, his speech just kind of ends. <laughs> I actually kind of like that as well. I know you're probably being a little facetious about that. But that's because, like, you always have these, like, grand speeches. Like, they had them planned out and practiced in the mirror. And here it gives much more of the feeling of, he just was speaking what was on his mind, and it ended up in, like, Captain America speechifying, but he didn't actually have it, like, planned out or anything, so it just kind of ended. Yeah, and then it just kind of petered out, which is also very much in keeping with Kira's character. Like, it's hilarious, but it's also very in character. Especially once so. everybody starts looking at him, it's like, um, yeah, so if, if you're gonna help... I if you would like to fight with me, uh, please check your, like, drop the balance <laughs> off. Please uh, talk to Kagali or Maru, because <laughs> this is too many people. I wanted to say some notes on that, too, but speaking about Captain America's speeches and them just happening, are you guys familiar with the story from the late 80s, early 90s, where Cap became a werewolf? Yes. Have you seen the speech he gives from that? No. Which is, wolf, wolf, freedom, gur, gur, America, wolf, wolf, <laughs> justice. It's amazing. Uh, that is fantastic. I can't remember if I mentioned this on mics ever, but I picked up a podcast recently. And they were talking about a sexy werewolf, and they're like, it's American Werewolf in London, too. American Werewolf in London and America. So Amagi kind of takes over Kira's speech. He's like, you're right. That's why we want to help. Please let us, Kigali. And he's like, yeah. And Kira's like, yeah, sorry I made those rude comments. And he's like, welcome aboard. And they're like, it's great to be here. And they all salute Kira, and he's like, I, what? Huh? I don't. <laughs> Maru is I'm just giving him, like, mom I just smile. Here. Yeah. And Maru's like, oh, I'm so proud of you, honey. I love Maru. Well, after a fashion, it's got to be, like, pretty gratifying because it's basically validating her choice from the first series. 
Even more so. And then we get Gladys naked in the shower, because Gundam Seed Destiny sure is still Gundam Seed. Except this one includes nipples. She don't even get her, like, thinking or anything, just in the shower. She looks kind of, like, stressed. Yeah, she's like, she hates her job, which I don't blame her. Well, of course, she she's got to deal with fucking Shin. She doesn't hate her job, she hates her job right now. Yeah, that, that's fair. Speaking of Shin, he's looking at a seashell while sitting near Stella at the seashore. While she starts, like, seizing? Yeah, she's shaking. And she's like, Shen, protect. And Shen's like, here, let me jangle this seashell. Is that what that is? Yeah. Add you? I, I was never it's super the sea, clear. It's the she- seashell she gave him. Yeah, I on a, I just couldn't remember because that scene had no emotional impact. We have a sick patient. Should we have a uh, orderly in there just in case something happens? Nah, it'll be fine. This kid's sitting with her. It's fine. Well, he's one of the pilots. What would he do? I really feel like she's just going through really bad withdrawals yeah. right now. I-, I am also pretty sure that's what's going on, pretty much. Um almost positive i mean that can kill you though so and then the nurse runs in and gets her a shot of just straight heroin (laughs) which puts stella back to sleep look the coordinator medicine's the good stuff (laughs) they don't have an opiate problem they engineered that out oh no they're all space sherlock holmes's wounded luna wandering around i just i love that luna's in bandages for like the next five episodes if i can be a guy for a minute i'm weirdly into it like in a way (laughs) that i don't get like i'm not into injured girls there's just Something away about the way she's loosely wearing her uniform so she doesn't hurt herself that... Is it just because it's, like, super informal? It's the same reason Moo's always sexy is because he's, like, not yeah. actually wearing his uniform. It might just be that, yeah. Anyway, they're talking... While we see Luna, we hear Mayrin talking to the mechanics about how Shin destroyed the entire enemy fleet. He and sunk all the battleships. Luna was looking at uh, the, the savior. savior. Yeah, which has been trashed. And I love, in both the dub and the sub, Mayrin's impression of Shin. He's yeah, like, he's it been is great. great lately. He's all like, sword silhouette, now! And then, like they put her voice over a <laughs> shot of Shin saying it, which is amazing. I didn't realize that's what that was supposed to be. <laughs> anyway, he talks about how Shin is kind of stuck up and mean, but he's actually like a great ace pilot in battle. And the mechanics are just like, huh. Huh. Neat. All we gotta do is fix the shit he brings back. And then Luna walks in and he's like, Mayrin, you didn't visit me while I was dying. <laughs> I-, I love how uh, uh, she tries Mayrin's to like, guilt hey, trip Mayrin. I do like this scene. It reads kind of odd to me, just because Mayrin feels like she has the upper hand, which is never the way their relationship works. <laughs> but Mayrin's like, yes, sis, I know you're trying to guilt me. You do this all the time. I was on duty. I know you just want something. What's up? Yeah, because she comes in like, Luna's like, you never came to see me. And, Luna, and Mayron's <laughs> response is, I was on duty the entire time. <laughs> and, and Luna, Luna realizes looks really that she kind of fucked up. I love her expression. <laughs> She's got this expression of peak. And mechanic dude is like, I'm not sure I want to be here with an impending sister fight. <laughs> Can I just say that the Hawk sisters are like easily one of the best things about Destiny? Yeah, like we said, <laughs> they took the boy's ability to express <laughs> for themselves. <laughs> it's like, never mind. Uh, is Atherin dead? I hope not. He wasn't in the med bay, so. Well, I mean, it's a good question because of how fucked up the savior is. Yeah. She's like, yeah, I heard it got damaged, and then I saw it, and And damn, that (laughs) thing got saved. Yeah, I was actually just about to say the same thing. (laughs) They're like, yeah, but he's completely unharmed, but I don't know what he's up to. So Shin walks in grumpy, presumably because Stella's worsening, but he just comes in with, like Mayron just said, he's kind of grumpy all the time, and grumpy Shin just walks in. And they're like, hey, Shin. And she's like, you okay, Luna? She's like, yeah, I'm good. I love how she responds to that question entirely differently from Shin. Yeah. Than Mayrin, even though it was the exact same circumstance. Yeah. And Shin is just like, he sounds like he hasn't slept all day, which might be true. It might be true. 
That might explain the terrible depends. decision he's going to make later. It also depends on exactly how much time has passed between this and the previous battle. Because it seems like a day at most. Like, he's about to get some coffee from the vending machine, and that's the sort of grumpy he comes off it to as me. So Luna immediately asks how Atherin is doing to Shin now. And Shin's like, oh, I don't fucking care. He's like, yeah. I bet he's moping somewhere. Jesus. Yeah, he. But then he, like, continues to talk. Again, it sounds like he's just grumpy and tired, and he's just, like, not thinking about what he's saying. But he does come up as an asshole. He's like, yeah, he got his shit kicked in by the freedom. So he's I probably set moping in his room. That's yeah. what I'd probably do. Which actually. is exactly is it- where he is when he says that. <laughs> And then he starts talking about how Atherin isn't really strong and how is how did he get to be a legend in the and that kind of stuff. I find this bit very interesting because the first time I watched it, I just thought, oh, Shin's just kind of being an asshole. But then when I watched it in the dub, I kind of feel like this is the writers trying to emphasize to us that the reason Atherin lost is because he's not himself, especially when Shin speculates maybe he got into faith because he used to be stronger. Yep. I mean, it's possible, but also throughout the entire time, Atherin hasn't been at the top of his game. Although, like, Shin hasn't gone toe-to-toe for a significant amount of time with the freedom yet. No, he hasn't. Also, he is kind of, as Mayron said, the one who's accomplished things. This episode is kind of going out of its way to put down Atherin and prop up Shin, and I just find that very interesting. I feel like it's trying to support things it's failed at in the past, but it runs into show-don't-tell problems. Even though we did see Shin literally destroy the entire fleet last week and kill Elul. It's not like he didn't do anything then. Mm -hmm. He was very effective, but it feels like they don't feel like that was enough. Although he was very effective while for the good chunk of that, Atherin was keeping the freedom tied down. Sure, sure. But he did kill a named character. Well, I mean, and at the same time, like, Atherin's probably not going to point that out and Shin probably wouldn't have noticed that. Cut to the John Paul Jones. Where they're like, okay, wipe. Owl from Sting. Yeah, Sting is in his Minority Report pod. It's one lonely pod. And Neo's like, God, my boss is going to kill me. (laughs) I like how he's giving Neo an official reprimand. (laughs) This is a flashback to his previous reprimand. Yeah. And he's just said out loud, what are we fighting for? And the tech looks at him. He's like, oh, well, we can't think that way. It would be bad if we started asking questions like that. We're finished as soon as you start doubting yourself. Morale is important. Bye, technician. Remember those words of confidence I just gave you? Bye. Yeah, I'm not having a meltdown. You are. <laughs> Go back to Stella in the med bay. And Shin overhears Gladys talking to the doctor, and he's like, hey, it's only a matter of time until she dies at this rate. I recommend that we stop keeping her on life support and do an autopsy. It's counterproductive to keep her along any longer if she's just going to die. And Gladys is like, well, we got a ton of tissue sample and stuff from the lab. What the brass wants is a living extended. So we have to do everything we can to keep her alive. And then we can get some real doctors on the case and not the you doctor. I get it more that it's less about the dude's skills and more about the fact that the dude doesn't necessarily have all the facilities he needs on military warship. Also, he's one guy. Yeah. So So this may not even be his area of expertise. Yeah. And he says, okay, I'll do everything I can if that's the case. Like, that's my medical opinion, but you are the captain. And Shin is like horrified. And she's like, oh, yeah, does Shin still hang out here sometimes? And he's like, yeah, I don't know why, though. She's not even that hot. And the doctor asks the same question we've been asking for quite a while. I don't understand why he cares for her so much. And Hey, wait, wait. I have some detailed notes on that. Boobs. I, here, <laughs> but so does Luna and Mayrin. But he's, he's seen the, her. Yeah, he's been with them all his life. They're just the Hawk sisters. They're not girls. <laughs> but he hasn't known them all his life. 
for like three years of military training, it's fine. He um, saw Stella's boobs. That's the that's a lot and short of it. I want to take this opportunity to talk. I was going to talk about it at the end of the episode, but this is a good time. A lot of people have that commentary about Shin and Stella's relationship, and a lot of people, one of their biggest problems with Destiny is the fallout from things that happen from this relationship that's not very well written and you don't get invested in. That said, this relationship has always worked for me because I don't see it as in any way romantic or sexual. No, I agree, actually. I think Shin is legitimately concerned about this crazy girl he found. I think he just, like, has a weird soft spot for her because he's like, she's not right and she's a pure and perfect flower who doesn't belong here. I I think that's the reason that, like, boobs, like, they are his first set of boobs and I think he couldn't help but look. But I don't see he sees her that way. I very much think Shin sees her as a replacement for his sister. As, like, I couldn't protect her. I couldn't do anything for her. But here's this innocent girl who feels younger than me. And now I have power. And now I can do something. Supposed to be read as a combination of that as well as seeing a lot of him, his own circumstance yeah, in yep. Stella. So, like, he's trying to protect her because, like you said, he's now got power, so he needs to try and use that for what he sees as the right reasons. Yeah, I just want to give Destiny a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, because I think just saying boobs is very reductionary. Not that that's not totally our brand of humor and on brand for us, but, like, <laughs> all of the comments for this episode are like, why does Shin care about Stella? Like, why would he do this? Am I supposed to care about this relationship? And I very much get those criticisms, but it's, I think, oversimplifying to say, oh, it's the romantic angle, so of course he'd do this. The problem is they don't really do a good job of bringing it across that that's actually what he's doing. So everybody immediately jumps to the romantic angle because if you're comparing it to uh, Seed in all the relationships in that one, and I I believe it was you phrased it as all relationships are written as though they're being shipped. Yeah, all all relationships in Seed are romantic relationships. So I don't feel that way about Destiny, personally. But yes. Well, because they're coming after Seed. It's got some of that energy. It's going to have that energy as well as bringing the same a lot of the same people in looking forward to a sequel series. So that's the way people are going to see it. And the way they're like in the opening, they look like they're supposed to be a romantic pair. Even though, like I've said, I don't read them that way at all and never have. I don't think Stella has the capacity for that, honestly. Yeah, and I think Shin recognizes that. And that's why he's not interested. I will admit I did see it that way when I watched it, but I was also not digging that far. So Shin gets an angry, determined look and we get the eye catch. Hello, and welcome to... Wait, wrong podcast. Thanks for joining us on episode 30. I'm going to jump right into a, like, informal poll thing. So, obviously, a lot of the internet thinks that Shin and Stella are supposed to be in a romantic relationship, and it's certainly supported by the intro and outro art in the show, but we here at It's a Gundam obviously don't read it that way, kind of. Honestly, it's really ambiguous. So I'm curious to know what you think. So if you're interested in weighing in on the debate, you know all the usual channels that get a hold of us. I'm legitimately just curious what everyone thinks about that. I'm legitimately concerned my computer's about to lose power. So that's it. Back to the episode. Cut to the deck of the Minerva, where Atherin has graduated to sunset moping. <laughs> I do like throughout this entire episode, we continue seeing the Minerva battle damage. Like, they keep that consistent. Yeah, and they say they're waiting for repairs, but, like, they're in the middle of a rock field. Are they, like, gonna airlift? Are they doing self-repair? I don't understand. Well, I, they're actually in, like, a cove. Yeah, I just am not sure how they're being repaired. Um, presumably, they're waiting for, like, a repair ship. That would make sense. Atherin remembers his racist dad. And Ghost Dad! <laughs> you know, I regularly forgot that Atherin did actually meet Ghost Dad briefly. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's because his last words were, Atherin, marry my daughter! <laughs> and and creepy uncle dad. <laughs> giving his TED talk in front of a cool guff. Duradnol? No, that doesn't work. Duradnol. <laughs> <laughs> that works better, but... And then we get the flashback to Kira yelling at him, as well as Kigali. Jeez, I really... Is, is it Janie's crying? Is that an Aerosmith song? I know which one you're talking about, but that's not what it's called. And now I can't find it. Yeah, I'm not... And Janie Got a Gun is a... Yeah, that's song, definitely an Aerosmith. But it's not the one you're thinking of. No, it's not. Anyway, I just want to replace all with Kigali's crying. Anyway. See, what I figured I wanted to do, and I won't, because it's way too long. I want to make a... Uh, cover parody of Iron Maiden's Alexander the Great about Kiriyamato. <laughs> that is incredibly niche. <laughs> yes. I love it. <laughs> I won't, but I want to. So Shin shows up on deck and he's like, oh, I was going to mope here. But I see this moping <laughs> place is already taken. And Athens like, nah, Shin, it's cool. And Shin's like, what is this? And Athens like, oh shit, I'm very socially awkward. And now I'm in my own head, so nothing. What do you guys think of this shin Athrin scene? It's weird. I feel like Shin has lost a lot of respect for Athrin. As a result of Athrin getting his ass kicked, I guess? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out, again, Shin is clearly grumpy and not expressing himself well, but that's what Athrin and Shin's, like, relationship has been for its entire time. I'm trying to figure out if Shin is, like, genuinely trying to give Athrin a pep talk and is just bad at it. I don't think he's trying to give Athrin a pep talk. I think what's actually happening here is that even without it being said, Shin has also kind of built Atherin up as this great, you know, and gotten that legend status a little bit in his head. And now Atherin has lost, and that has kind of come crashing down. Atherin's not a legend anymore. He's just a guy susceptible to all the same kind of failings. Yeah, okay. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out what Shin's trying to accomplish. And I think he is, because he's at that age, trying to make himself feel better about himself. But I also think to some degree, like, he says, hey, get your shit together, basically. But I think he is, like, genuinely trying to get Atherin to do that. It's not like a, hey, I need you to watch my back thing, I don't think. Nor is it, in- I, like I said, I just, Shin in this episode is very odd, which we're going to talk about a lot in the ending, probably. On the other hand, he might just be exceptionally sleep-deprived. Yeah, it is, like, vaguely pep-talky, but also I think he's just kind of, like... Yeah, I don't think it's a good pep talk. Don't no, get me wrong. I, like I said, I think it's mostly venting about how the fact that Hathorin isn't some superhuman god that he's got him put on a pedestal for. So cut to nighttime. Ray is half sleeping. Shin logged into his computer and is uh, hijacking Ray's blog. And it's like, hey, what are you doing with my laptop? You're not looking at my porn, are you? And she's like, no, I am doing nothing. I'm going to continue doing nothing, though. And Ray's like, cool. Going back to bed. Meanwhile, very clearly on the screen the entire time has been some schematics for the Gaia. Although, from a distance, it looks like a bug. It does, yes. I thought it was like a pond skimmer. So, the nurse, I guess, is in the sick bay, and she's like, what? It's late. And then Shin goes full Batman, rushes her, and punches her in the gut, which I guess is, like, how many times has that happened to her? (laughs) There must be, like, an off switch in anime humans, because people get hit in the gut and immediately fall unconscious. I feel like they all just have weak diaphragms or something, so... Yeah, knock the air out of them. And uh, Shin's like, Stella, and she goes, Neo? Breaks the kid's poor heart, and it's like, oh, wait, no, Shin. You're the other guy I like. <laughs> I really don't like this whole sequence. Shin says that he'll protect Stella and takes her out on the gurney. I feel like it would have been easier for him to just carry her. Probably. I think he just doesn't want to carry her that far. Like, he's afraid of making it worse. Well, And the fact that if he, he has to take her off of the life support equipment if he carries her. 
he does that anyway, though. Yes, but it's <laughs> only at the very end. Yeah, when he has to. He's not getting that bet on the impulse. And I don't <laughs> think he's thinking this all the way through. Yeah, he's sleep deprived and just acting. So they're like, hey, I'm sure we'll get an opportunity when we get to Gibraltar. And th- there we and just they're complaining to- about how they can't go home on their days off. Just like Mulaflaga. Another interesting point. There are just infantrymen with machine guns on the Minerva, it turns out, that you can send into weird Scooby-Doo factories <laughs> if you happen to find one. Instead, they're just hanging out in, in the launch bay, and they're like, hey, you're not supposed to bring hospital beds here. Well, I figure it's also one of those things where, like, he's an MP, he's supposed to be there. I mean, they're probably guarding like, There's the a couple of them, assets, and apparently right? Ray just got out of bed and was hanging yeah, out outside. Ray is just Batman following them, always I, in their blind spots, it turns out. I assumed he was just there taking part in the conversation waiting for shin to do something (laughs) (laughs) like ray wouldn't be taking part in the conversation he'd just be hovering awkwardly outside of it also ray smart enough if that was his plan he would have got dressed like even shin is dressed i feel like shin just never got undressed but i feel like ray had to rush out of bed to get here the elevator won't open and machine gun man is about to do machine guns but ray does some cool fighting that i think it's just the sound effects our punch sound effects the show has used before which totally fair I swear we've seen someone do this exact fighting before, though. Maybe? I'm not sure. I feel like it would have been one of the druggies, just based on the way he moves. Yeah. I don't think we've seen the druggies fight hand-to-hand without a weapon, though. Yeah. It might be, like, they might have been taking Stella. Like, that's the one that makes the most sense. (laughs) The two mechanics... Just watch Ray and Shin punch all these armed guards out, and they just, like, oh. look at each other like, I think we're good over here. <laughs> all right, so now Ray and Shin get lined up for the firing squad, and this ends. So anyway, Shin's like, why you help me? Anyway, um, if she stays here, they'll die, or she'll, they'll just dissect her like a test animal, and I'm not going to let them. So he starts to close the anim- elevator, but Ray grabs and opens it, like, hey, you're coming back, right? And she's like, oh, duh. What is I going to do? Leave forever? Join the Three Ships Alliance? Is that what you do when you leave a ship? Do they just, like, send a beacon out for you? Does the Archangel just appear like a portal? (laughs) No, the Eternal does. The Eternal is if you do it in space, Zach. Oh, okay, sorry. My bad. This is a water escape, so clearly (laughs) it's the Archangel. Well, Ray's like, hurry, I'll open the gate for you. And Shin is moderately surprised. But Ray's like, yeah, she deserves a chance to live. Doesn't matter who she is, I'm sure about that. Which is like the most character I think Ray has shown. We're definitely supposed to be wondering why Ray is motivated to do this. I assume it has something to do with his mysterious upbringing yeah. and the fact that he's also probably an extended or like a coordinator. sendernator. Yeah, he probably has similar circumstances. Yeah. The doctor and nurse too. Nurse harder. Walk in. A good day to nurse hard. Um. <laughs> I don't like this entire sequence. So Shin loads Stella into the core splendor. Ray opens it up for him. Gladys is like, hey, what's going on? And Marin's like, <laughs> no, it's not Marin. Yeah, it's some dude. Yeah, some dude's like, uh, yeah, the medical bay got attacked. The extended is gone. And the impulse is taken off, isn't it? A bunch of the mechanics are knocking on the door that Ray has locked himself in like he was just going to open up. Well, I feel it's one of those things where it's supposed to open. Yeah. And it's and it's not, and they don't have the te- the equipment on hand to just like hack in and open the door from outside. It's just the way he's animated knocking. It looks like he's going to be like, hey, I need to use the bathroom. Hurry up in there. <laughs> so Ray tells Shen it's time to go. He launches. For some reason, Shin decides to take the entirety of the impulse, and all not- three pieces. Yeah. The only justification for this is he is going to use an IFF for the Gaia, so maybe he wanted to have a closer mass to it, but he, that's pretty backsplainy 
and well, desperate. Or it's a matter of he wanted to be able to land because we don't know exactly how the core splendor can I land. was actually thinking about that specifically. Does the it model have vertical takeoff? Well, I, it's got landing gear on it. I'm what I'm more of saying is like, we don't know need if a it's runway or that's true. Yeah. I assume it is, but you're right, we don't know. Because we never actually see the impulse or the uh, the impulse core splendor land. So we get the full connection sequence. Because nothing happens this episode. And he, he powers up his shield just in case. We see that he uses, like I said, the guy's F- IFF code to try and contact the John Paul Jones. Ray is taken out by armed guards. <laughs> Luna looks very concerned. <laughs> well, I mean, it makes a lot of sense because what the fuck are they doing? And Gladys is like, yeah, we don't have anyone to send after him. We ran out of mobile suits well, somehow. They, they say we have no machines available to pursue him. The Gaia was damaged. I, I that, think the I, Gaia has to be gone. I'm doing the timeline in my head. I think they have to have offloaded the Gaia before they left. I mean, you're, but where? I, I don't know. Well, the base they were at before. Okay. Was that their base? I yeah. thought that was, okay. It was their port. Uh, the, you know, that's how they were able to get the science team to the extended facility so quickly. They Fair. had captured it. It was not like a Zaft base permanently, but it was Zaft controlled at the time. So armed guards and Atherin bring Ray in, and Gladys is like, no one likes you anymore, Atherin, yeah, leave. She says, you're not needed here, and I'm like, I, I, my immediate thought was, yeah, but you're a faith member, you can say, this dude just helped commit treason, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, on the other hand, it's a... It's I've a, got experience in this. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, like, mutual respect for the other faith member whose ship also this is. Yeah, he's always followed Talia's orders in the past, she's just never really given him any. And she's like, you too, armed guard. You two henchmen with wrench. <laughs> <laughs> a wrenchman, if you will. So she gives him a long look. It's like, wow, it's weird seeing you in casual clothes. You're never casual at anything. Cut to the John Paul Jones. As Ray is saying, hey, you don't need to go after him. He's coming back. And Gladys is like, Ray. That is fuck? not the point. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't need to worry. He's coming back. I'm not really worried about that. I'm worried about what the caliber is going to be for your firing squad. Well, to be fair, she's like, hey, are you following that person's instructions again? Which has to be Durundle. Right? It has to be Yeah, Durundle. it has to be Durundle. Yeah, which I mean, I guess says Gladys has a lot of trust in Ray. And also, I don't know why Durundle would have ordered this, but there are possibilities, I suppose. Prisoner exchange of some I'm, sort that's under the books. And I'm assuming that Durundle has given him some weird orders in the past. Oh, I assume the Scooby-Doo factory was Durundle's order, but we don't know. Anyway, the John Paul Jones is like, hey, it says it's the Gaia. But I, someone I, keeps pinging us with it. And Nero's like, well, I'll hands the level two battle stations. But uh, I guess I only my Wyndham, my personal one, is ready to sortie. They blew up all the other Wyndhams. <laughs> we had so many, and Although they all blew up. if I remember up. correctly, when they showed an external shot of it before, there were three of them standing on the ship. Those aren't ready to sortie. They're yeah. out of paint. And Nero's like, yeah, try responding. And Shen gives a pre-canned message of uh, two Neo still is waiting. She's at J5. I sunk her battleship. Come alone. And pretty much the entire crew is like, yeah, that seems like a Neo thing. You, this you seems can do fishy, this. but whatever it is, it's the rest of you. So anyway, Ray's like, hey, I'm completely responsible for this. Punish me according to procedure. It's not Shen's fault. I did it. Also, he's definitely coming back. Don't worry. I don't have abandonment issues. You have abandonment issues. And, and Durandal definitely has abandonment issues. <laughs> and Atherin is just hanging out outside of her office where Lunamari comes up to talk to him. So they're like, hey, Neo, are you really going alone? He's like, well, don't got a choice. Besides, the only way to figure out what's going on in a trap is to spring it. Yet usually the only reason why you would spring a trap to find out if it is a trap is if you have overwhelming force to crush whatever is trapping you. This seems like a very thing to do though it does it yes. does yes <laughs> don't you mean a very neo roanoke thing to do 
And I also think it helps add some like genuineness to Neo's affection for Stella that we've seen. I think it's supposed to show that like he actually does care about these kids to some degree. If he's willing to go out on a limb. Well, we've already seen that before when he talks about, like, what do we do with them? Like, I can't believe they're just going to call it a lost asset. Yeah, I think this is just, like, putting money where his mouth is. Fair enough. And Sella's really not looking so good. But it's cool Wyndham shows up. Wyndham's are a cool suit. For a grunt suit. One of those little details that maybe I'm just attributing something to it. I like that he lands on the side opposite from Shin's gun. Yeah. Sort of Shin was trying to ambush him with something, which, like, this is a really roundabout way to do it. It would have been more difficult for him. Yeah, we're going to compare this a lot to the Lacus hostage exchange, because clearly they are paralleling each other. They're trying to. I think it's impossible not to draw that conclusion. And oddly, I think these are the only two, like, exchanges like this in all of Gundam, which seems strange. You think they would have done it again at another point. For a lot of reasons, it's not as good, and we'll talk about the more important ones. But I just think about, like, Kira pointing its gun right at the Aegis, and they're, like, throwing Lacus. And obviously, you can't do any of that with gravity, so it doesn't have the same power. But even just the way it's staged doesn't have the drama, because they, like, both get out of their mobile suits. Well, it's treated in such a fashion. Well, I guess we'll go into that a little bit later, the entirety of it. This guy's like, I am Neo Roanoke. You can tell because I'm wearing a mask. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here alone. I've come alone as promised. Yeah, that'd make more sense if, if he'd actually seen. Yeah, Neo I mean, to be fair, before he hasn't seen him not in a mask. It's not like the mask would prove him to be more or less Neo Roanoke. <laughs> yeah, because Shin's Shin never hides. seen him before. To be fair, who else would dress like that except for some weird guy called Neo Roanoke? Neo fucking Roanoke. Anyway, he gets out with Stella, and like again, we just get a reaction of Neo being like, "Shit!" when he sees how he's not kidding. Yeah. Wow. I think it's also like, "Oh shit!" She is not doing good. And Shin tells him, I'm going to give her back to you, but you have to you have to get her out of the war. Yeah, you have to promise me that he gives a very, like, generic, like, you have to take her to a kind, warm world speech, which I don't think is very well written. Or maybe it is because I don't think Shin would be good at coming up with words like this. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. he is a 14 year old kid. I can go either way on it. I think he's 16. You're right. And uh, like you have my word. But nature uh, finds a destroy. <laughs> but but uh, my boss sucks real bad. So. <laughs> but you gotta remember, that's not how the military works. I am a guy who wears a mask um, professionally. So, and, and also my subordinates, I erase their memory when anything inconvenient happens. So, Shin carries her over to Neo, who takes her. Stella seems to recognize him as soon as he says her name, and he's like, yeah, maybe I should be thanking you. And she's like, I don't care about thank yous. Just remember what you said. And he was like, okay. Bye, bye, me. Bye. I love how he just said, bye. It's like this awkward, like, they're both staring at each other awkwardly, and then he's just, bye. Well, I need to get her to the healing pod, clearly, so. I'm gonna go now. And Shin's like, wait, take this souvenir. That I could have given her before. And he was like, what? He's like, Stella gave it to me. She's fond of it, so. I don't know. Maybe it'll help. It's fine. And he does seem oddly preoccupied with not wanting Stella to forget him. Don't, 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 don't you. Forget about me. I said don't. <laughs> Which is not out of character for Shin, but we've talked a lot about how like he's not doing it for the credit or the recognition. So I don't know if this is just because Stella forgets everybody and Shin is like be- trying to be like, hey. Like it would be nice for you to have one thing to hold on something. to. Yeah. Well, you think seems to think it's more about like her personally. Yeah, I, I don't know if not... I'm giving him too much credit, but it would be inconsistent with his character otherwise. And spoiler, they are going to meet again. Shin's not like, oh, how could you ever forget about me? I'm so betrayed. Everyone betray me. 
As a Shin runs away. Like, just runs Neo, away. like, glares at Well, he looks like he's glaring after him because of the mask. And the ending theme starts to play. And Stella throws the seashell on the ground. She threw the rest of the cake, too. Stella was a cake all along. And then, like, Shin wipes tears away and flies off. He anger flies the impulse back to the Minerva. And then Stella died. And then the show ended. And that's the episode. So do we want to talk more about the hostage exchange? Because I know, Zach, you've been saying you wanted to talk about it a lot. And I think there is a lot to talk about there, but you never really launched into anything. So I feel like I should give you the opportunity before we go to closing. I don't like the hostage exchange here because, like, they're trying to parallel it, but it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense on either side. Like, Shin is saying I'm going to give her back makes a certain amount of sense. Specifically because of the weird ass pull the medical doctor have of, oh, there must be some weird machine. Yeah. Which is true. So it has that credence. And so and that idea has been planted in Shin's head and is accurate. So I think specifically from Shin's point of view, it mostly makes sense to me. Like I said, I can't help but compare this to Seed's hostage exchange, where we're looking at it. We have Kira, who knows Atherin, you know, a specific individual on the other side. Knows Lacus, knows Atherin. And when he gets there, this is somebody who he actually personally knows and trusts. Well, and he still points anyway. a gun. Well, he does trust Atherin. Like, he still does throughout that entire time. I feel like at the very least, he trusts him to get Lacus to safety. Yeah. And, like, when he gets there, he points a gun at his cockpit tells him to open the cockpit and even then doesn't go anywhere near Atherin to like prevent any kind of treachery. Here is Shin dealing with an enemy officer doing literally nothing to try and safeguard anything from treachery. So, to be fair, Kira is an OS wizard that is his class. It requires a high int stat. Shin does not have a high int. All of Zach's points stand. Like I said, I get it from Shin's point of view because he doesn't have another move, right? He can't, like, run off with her. Uh, he because can't she's just going to die. Yeah. This is the only chance Stella has to remain alive. And we're basically told that. We have no reason to believe that that's not the case. This always just felt to me like the writers basically being like, well, shit, we need Stella to be on the other side for uh, what's coming up later to get motivation. So let's uh, let's just have Shin give her back. See, I don't see it that cynically. I completely agree with you. The moment doesn't work. I just think it's for a bunch of other reasons. We kind of tiptoe about Neo Roanoke because we know the deal with him. And when you know the deal, it makes it so hard to talk about Neo Roanoke and not to talk about <laughs> the guy under that mask. But do you think we're supposed to like Neo? No. I don't think you're supposed to like Neo. I think you're supposed to be like intrigued by him and maybe be a little bit sympathetic. Yeah, to vaguely his sympathetic is, I think, what they're. But going I don't for. think you're supposed to like him. And when I first watched it, I definitely didn't like it. But on this rewatch, I'm just looking. Like most of his lines seem to be attempting to create sympathy for him, right? Like he's got this boss who's always on him. He wants the best for these subordinates who are in a bad situation. I think it's he's looking out for them. They're basically designing him in such a fashion like you're supposed to be comparing and contrasting with Rao. Because a lot of them, like you said, feel like trying to make you be sympathetic with him. But at the same time, they're also, as we have mentioned a couple of times already, they're basically the opposite of what Rao would have said. Yeah. So it ends up because he's also got the mask and he's got the same, you know, hair color that he's filling the same role as Rao. I just am wondering if from a writer's perspective, the idea is even though Shin and Neo don't, have never met, so they don't have the trust that Kira and Atherin do. Maybe the thought was we sh the audience will trust Neo with this. 
I'm just wondering, because that's something I've, like I said, I've struggled to talk about Neo, but through watching this, what I've realized is he comes off a lot more sympathetic than I remember. And I think the writers are actively trying to create that. Yeah, no, I get the feeling that the show wants us to find him to be a sympathetic character, and, like, I think they're doing a pretty good job with that. But also, he has no problem, like, ordering an entire nation's navy to its death to achieve its goals. So Yeah, and there's also the Ray element of we're finding out more and more about Ray, and he kind of shields Shin here, which is something he's done before, but never to this extent. And also, Ray is standing, like, weirdly in, like, a mirror posture with Rao in the ending credits. I'm sure that doesn't mean anything. Don't worry about it. Nothing at all. Also, (laughs) ignore the fact that they have the same voice actor. (laughs) And that Ray would look really good in a mask, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I agree with you that this hostage exchange just feels hollow. I think the biggest problem, though, which I haven't even talked about, is the Shin-Stella relationship, which I guess we did talk about earlier. But mm-hmm. that's the biggest problem is they needed more meetings before this. And that we've talked about that a hundred times. Would it feel like beating a horse to death? But this is kind of a climax for it, with Shin deciding, damn the consequences, I will do this thing. But whenever Kira would do it, it was unambiguously good. It feels oddly like greedy of Shin to do this, right? Yeah. It feels yeah. like an impulsive teenage thing coming from an impulsive teenager. And like there's just something about the riding around Shin that whenever he does those they never feel like the right thing in a way that Kira got away with them all the time and he it was written in a way where you would root for Kira for it. No one's like, "Oh, he shouldn't have given Lacus away." You got to look at some of the circumstances around it cuz when Kira did stuff like this, he never attacked guys on his own side. Yeah, there's definitely that. Also, we know where Kira's head is at pretty much all the time. Shin is... Hard to tell. Yeah, it's hard to tell why, like, what's motivating him at any given point. And I'm not sure if that's because the show is bad, like, if the show is just bad at telling us, or if we're supposed to not know. And I think it's more the former than the latter. Like, Shin's motivation is I'm angry at people for being inconsistent, but also I fight things, and also I like this girl because she reminds me of my lost sister, I guess. I don't know. Shin's just not very well thought out, and we don't get enough time in his head. I think that's the real problem. And I also think this, like, we've talked about it a lot. This episode really feels like the point where Kiriyamato is the main character now. With that opening thing where he gives the speech, and everyone is saluting him, and he feels awkward about it. Which is odd, because he's hardly in this episode. That's his only scene, Mm -hmm. but I really noticed that. Any other final thoughts on the episode? I kind of feel like I got all of mine out. I think I like this episode the most, but boy, is it rocky. It's definitely, it feels like they needed to be here, but it also feels like they're like, oh shit, we wasted too much time, and now we don't have time to get here naturally. The Gundam Seed Destiny story. Yeah, that sounds about right. I'm neutral to actually mildly positive on this. It does weirdly feel like an action Shin would take. Yeah, it doesn't feel out of character for him. It just, I feel like whenever Shin breaches military protocol, we should be rooting it for him. And the show just doesn't do a good job of making that happen. And they're trying here by having Ray on his side, right? I think the problem is Shin's just kind of an asshole, and he's an asshole to a lot of people. So. Yeah, I, I still don't really have a good reason to like Shin. He's not a super empathetic character. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest problem with him is they never gave a solid reason to like him, and then they kind of abandon him. There's not a good reason to be in Shin's corner. He's also kind of a dumbass, where Kira at least makes intelligent decisions, even if they're well, he makes, motivated by idealism. He makes emotional decisions backed up by rational thought. Yeah. Like, 
Like he's said, still an it, impulsive teenager, but with like, Lacus, he returns her because he feels it's the right thing to do. But he goes through all of the rational steps to make that as safe as possible. Meanwhile, Shin's like, "I'm gonna run this Gertie to an elevator, Ray punch some people." That was my plan all along. Don't worry. So, Ghost Dad, we had five seconds of Ghost Dad this episode. <laughs> We're up to four minutes and twelve seconds in Destiny. Yay! Like, still about a quarter of the way to what we need. Yay! Slowly inching up five seconds at a time. I don't think we're going to surpass it. I don't either. I don't either. Especially knowing that we don't have that last clip episode. High point, Tyler? I think I'm going to take one of the nice low-hanging fruit and do the Hawk Sisters interaction earlier, especially with Luna completely, like, turning about face as soon as Shin walks into the room. Zach? Damn. (laughs) It's just so good. I think I'm going to have to go with everybody saluting Kira. That's a good one. I was actually expecting you to take mine, and that was my backup. Mine was uh, what yeah. Tyler took. Mine's going to be Mayron's impression of Shin. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Especially the way it's blocked. And like I, like I said, I feel like Mayron does the best job of like motiva- or like propping up Shin and making you like him. I love that from Mayron's point of view, she's kind of the audience. It's like, he's kind of an asshole, but boy, he's awesome. But she doesn't see how awesome Kira is. So. My favorite moment of the episode is Lunamari and, and Mayron interacting. But Tyler took that one. Tyler, low point. Huh. I mean, other than the whole, the thing that happened, I guess, actually, I'm going to go with maybe kind of a weird one, and that's Talia kicking Atherin out of the room, and Atherin just leaving the room and then waiting outside, which is totally in character for Atherin. Nobody likes him anymore. Yeah, I don't know. It's just sad for Atherin, mostly. <laughs> now I'm going to re-edit this a- episode, but whenever Atherin's on screen, the Charlie Brown music is <laughs> I got a rock. I got orders to destroy the destroy Gundam. I got a quit new Gundam with a Saikamu system. I got a Gunner's Haku. I got a rock. <laughs> Wait, I got saviored by my best friend. Zach? I think I have to go with uh, Shin's proclivity for poor planning. Yeah, like, he clearly didn't think this through other than, like, oh, wait, we have the Gaia's codes. I like the idea of it being so bad that he opens a consulting agency called Shin's proclivity for poor planning. <laughs> I realized I had a couple of alliterative things in there. I wanted to see if I could add any more. It'll be Shin's prosperous proclivity for poor planning. Yours, Jeremy? This is a weird one, but the pacing, like, has just died, right? We were so excited two episodes ago. Again, we weren't like, oh, this is good, but it was exciting. Stuff was happening. And then a cliff episode just dives off out of the cliff. And this is another super slow-paced episode. That doesn't even have the same kind of thing that we've seen in... Gundam Seed, where they would... It's rising action and yeah, then falling like action. At the end, you'd get the launching into combat or something like that. This is just like a hard stop after a hard stop. And like there are two super important events and like a very clear transition for Atherin in this episode, too. And yet it feels like nothing happens. It and really like, does. St- and stuff for Ray too. It really does feel like nothing happened. Except for Mayron was like, sword silhouette, now! <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, love perfect. the Hawk sisters. All right, that will do it. Join us next week when we will be watching Phase 31, The Endless Night. Because after you know the dream, it's night forever. That's why Shin's so grumpy. Yeah, it's because it's a nightmare, not a dream. Until then, we have to keep watching. It is our destiny. To destroy!
He's always yelling out commands like that. Wow.